This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, one of America's foremost manufacturers of premium knives. Case Knives have been treasured items that have been passed down to my family for generations. So put down the phone, shut off the TV, and go out and get your hands dirty and build something. Keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. Dear friends and fellow dog lovers and anyone who has ever lost gathered here today to honor the memory of the greatest bloodhound I've ever known, Ella Mae Dietrich. She was with us for a long time and she lived until a ripe old age. But she shall remain beside the silver lake of heaven, just beside the river of life, making glad the heart of the saints who have gathered there, who have crossed over the great chasm which lies between life and everlasting. Ella Mae Dietrich, and to anyone who's ever lost an animal. You are listening to Shaun of the South, and we are here today to have a funeral for Ella Mae. A prayer for anyone who's lost a dog. To the maker of the great canine, who sits beside the birth of man, and wieldeth her loyalty as her greatest tool. Who possesses all the qualities of man and none of his vices, who drinketh from the toilet bowl of life, and diggeth holes in the backyard of his love. Who guideth man in the ways of simplicity, and restoreth his heart. Whose gentle eyes expect not rewards or wealth, but love which is the only element within the spheres of the heavens that matters. Love given sweetly by creature with heart and soul. Love given freely by animal. Near to the earth and sod, the man shall ever be and closer to the heart of God than continent or sea. Show mercy upon the man, O maker, whose heart hath been abandoned by his beast. Show tenderness toward mankind and all his pride and self-seeking valor vanity of vanities without thy tail wagging friend nearby apply the balm upon his heart and reveal to him the everlasting divine fields and streams and running wild the dogs he knew in life feed the man dear maker like man hath fed the earth the children and his wife within the earth's catalog remember us O lord who miss our friends who miss companions and who miss the souls of dogs amen i'm going to read you a little bit of our mail today from folks who love dogs friends of mine and brothers clayton mcdonough hot springs arkansas My dog was a beagle, Labrador mix, and we rescued him from the shoulder of the highway. He had this incredible bark that sounded like more of an old man who was caught in a barbed wire fence. We named him Jed, and I never thought he'd be such a part of our life like he was. He went everywhere with me, rode to me with the post office every morning. We had our own web business, and Jed turned 14, but still had a puppy spirit. One day, my father-in-law called me to tell me that he found Jed at the intersection where the highway is. I still don't know how Jed got out. None of our doors were left open. I blame myself for a long time after his passing. I think about him every day. But I have to believe that God had a purpose for all this. 
Paul Grayton, Huntsville, Alabama. The best dog I ever had was when I was 15 years old, and I'm a 72-year-old man now. I named him Dee Dee. He was the kind of dog who always wanted to please. He got bit by a snake and almost died, but he kicked it. He got hit by a tractor and it broke his leg, but he healed. It was tough. Being the kid that I was, I always told myself I wanted to learn to be brave, just like Dee Dee. Imagine kid wanting to grow up to be like a dog. Tanya Rankers, Chanute, Kansas. My three kids all have dogs of their own. We have a lot of land and I just think it's important for kids to know how to take care of dogs the right way. But of course that's not how it works. Kids will be kids and parents will be parents so it's me who takes care of the dogs and they have become just like my other kids. The chocolate lab is bonded with my husband who was never a dog guy. The lab goes everywhere he goes and does everything he does. It's cute to watch. I wish dogs could live as long as humans. Our dogs are named Larry, Moe, and Curly, by the way. South Tipton, Waterloo, Iowa. Hey, Sean, here's a poem I wrote about my Dalmatian of 12 years. I hope it helps you grieve your Ellie Mae. You were a light in the dark, and I think that's why you were black and white. You were a bright, shining candle when I needed your light. Color black couldn't stay on you for long, and so it was fragmented because you scared it away. You brought me that same brightness, and you made my nights into days. My raccoons rally in North Carolina. My dog sits on my lap whenever we watch TV, and when we listen to your show, she does the same thing. I inherited this dog from my mother before she died five years ago. Reba is the dog's name. She is a dachshund, and she reminds me of my mother in every way. You know how they say dogs take on people's personality as well. This one has the personality of my mother through and through. And I can feel my mother's love all over this animal. Does that sound crazy to you? I hope Reba lives forever because I miss my mother. My raccoons, it does not sound crazy to me in the least. Lee Hillman Shire, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Hey, Sean, I'm 15 and I have a new dog named Buzz. He's lab and he's pretty. He loves to swim and he tries to follow me out the door every day I leave. My mom says he waits by the window for me to get home, and she's probably right because I see him sitting there when I come up to the deck after school. He's right there just looking and waiting for me. And we play a lot after I get home, and when I do stuff with my friends, he wants to be the center of attention all the time. He's fun, and he's sweet. I read about your dog passing away at school when our teacher read it to our class. Man, we were all really sad. I just wanted to write you and tell you about Buzz. I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. Wilma Danube, Lawrenceville, Georgia. After my husband and I divorced, I found a dog on the steps of a nearby church after service on a Wednesday night. He's a gold-colored terrier of some kind. I put him online and was hoping someone would adopt him because I don't have room in my life for another dog. The first night, I kept him in the kitchen in a crate, and he cried, so I brought him into my bedroom, and he still cried. So I let him into my bed that was about 10 years ago. He is one of my best friends. Simon Gregory, Plant City, Florida. Sean, I have six dogs, which is a problem. It is a problem. I found a sack of puppies in the woods near my house that someone had left there to die. They were all white and brown dogs, and I brought them home and tried to get them adopted, but nobody seemed to want them. Well, I wasn't about to let them go to a kill shelter, so I kept them on my property. They were supposed to be strictly outside dogs, but they have all found their way inside our double-wide trailer, and they even watch TV with us at night. In fact, right now, 
while I write this to you. We're listening to your show on our TV. If you read this on the air, you should know their names are John, Paul, George, Ringo, and Elvis. Elvis is the one who I say ain't nothing but a hound dog. Ramona Brownwell, Sacramento, California. Sean, my husband, and I read your story about losing Ellie Man. We had our church Bible study pray for you and your wife. Dog for special gifts, and I know that it was like losing a daughter. Please know that there were 30 people all the way in Sacramento who were thinking about you. Dear Ramona, God bless you. You will never know what that means to me. Danny Johnson, Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Hi, Sean. I have a dog named Millie. She looks just like your Ellie almost. She's a coon hound, more tan than black. She showed up at my brother's house right after my sister died of brain cancer. My brother said this dog just kept sitting in front of a dresser that had our family picture on it. My brother wasn't sure if the dog was looking at the pictures or a blinking light on the smoke detector on the wall, which is just above the photographs. But Millie did this every day. We just watched her look at those pictures. Once we took the picture down, the one of all of us with my sister in it, and we showed it to Millie and her tail wagged. And she touched the photograph with her nose. It weirded me out. It weirded us all out. My hair was standing on end. I don't know what it means. And I don't know what happens to people's spirits when they die. But maybe dogs are more in touch with stuff out there in the unseen realms than we are. Dear Denny, I believe they are. Sarah Evermans, Pensacola, Florida. My husband and I went through some hard times. And he ended up moving out moving on with his life and leaving me behind. I had two kids and I thought my life was just over. My son begged me to get a dog and I was in such a bad state that I agreed, even though I probably shouldn't have. We got a German Shepherd. This dog could sense immediately that I was sad and he made it his personal mission in life to make me happy. He'd sit right in front of me and look me in the eye until I'd pet him. He'd rest his head in my lap and he wouldn't move, even if I told him to go away, Bo is his name. He is a member of our family and he is the reason I've kind of come back to life. Anyway, he has cancer and I don't know what we'll do without him when it finally takes him. When I read about your LMA passing, I wanted to tell you that I believe dogs are extensions of the heavenly. You're not just missing a dog. You are missing your little connection to God if that makes any sense. Dear sir and family, That makes more sense than anything I've ever heard in my life. And that is letters from our listeners. Let's have another song.
I was in Arizona. I was in Arizona for 21 days on a camping trip. I suppose you could say I was there to kind of find myself. I was there to figure out who I was. I had planned this camping trip, and I'd talked to my wife about it, and I said, I need to go. I need to remember what I am and, and who I am. Because I'd just been rejected from Florida State University, and I was beside myself. I felt like heaven's biggest failure I felt like a waste of oxygen, like cosmic debris. It's a feeling I couldn't shake, and so I planned a trip. It cost me $2,000 all in all. I rented a car. I drove through the desert landscape in this car, and I, I slept in a tent, a hammock tent in between trees, wherever I could find it. I spent one week in Grand Canyon National Park. I explored every inch of that canyon. I went to a payphone at the park one night while I was doing laundry. There was a man who was sitting in a chair next to the payphone, and he was very curious and intent on listening to my conversation. I called my wife, and we talked. The first thing she said was, I got a dog. A dog. She said, I'm not sure I did the right thing. This dog stinks really bad. Her name is Ellie Mae, my wife told me. Ellie Mae. Ellie Mae was born in Georgia, and she was bought by a man who managed a trailer park in Indian Pass, Florida. And my wife, one day, saw this dog running through a trailer park. And her owner was chasing her, this pup. And he was, he was so busy with his life, and he was so busy with his job, he was exacerbated. I don't even know what that word means with this dog and he wanted he wanted very badly to to get rid of her and there was my wife she took Elamay over that very night and that was that when I came back from Arizona I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to to be good at this life thing anymore once I wanted to be a pianist a famous pianist I've been playing piano since I was a nine year old I practiced, I practiced sometimes for eight hours a day for a big part of my life. I played piano. I played piano and I sang music and played guitar at every beer joint from south of Atlanta all the way to the tip of, of Chiefland, Florida. I tried to enroll in Florida State. They told me I had no talent. Arizona was supposed to make things better, but I just wasn't sure that it did. Sure, I had wonderful nights out there looking at that desert sky. I could get lost in that purple night, and I prayed a lot. And I'm not a praying man like I ought to be. But I was in Arizona. I prayed that the maker of the universe would show me what I was supposed to be doing with myself. I got off the plane, and I was met with that moldy, mildew smell of northwest Florida, my home. And it was wonderful. And I... I went to the airport, and there was my wife, and we embraced, and I cried. We walked out to the car. I was carrying my backpack and my one carry-on my one carry bag. 
And there in the car was a bloodhound. A bloodhound named Elime. She had long black ears and a tan chest and tan eyebrows which showed expression. My wife opened the door. She said, meet Elime. And Elime bound out of that, that truck and she ran straight toward me. She'd never seen me before in my life. But she loved me immediately. A dog can love someone immediately. They don't need a list of prerequisites in order to love. They love unconditionally and they love from a deep part in their belly. It's godlike. And I wish I were like that. We rode home and this, this 80 pound dog rode in my lap <laughs> all the way home. And when we got home, Ellie ate supper, I ate supper, and I was just so glad to be back in the South, glad to be back home, glad to be back with my wife. And after supper, after I finished eating and after Ellie finished eating, we wrestled. We wrestled on the floor. She was, she was making loud noises, and I would put out my forearm, and she would clamp this large mouth on my forearm, but not, not clamp hard. She'd clamp very gently. She was able to practice such restraint, even during intense play. She clamped her, her mouth down on me, and, and, and she would pretend like she were attacking me. And we wrestled until we were completely tired. And then she leapt onto our king-size bed, and she fell asleep beside me. Her head was on my armpit, and my wife brought out the camera, and she took several photos of it. And I just looked at some of those photos the other day after we had to put LMA down. I couldn't even bear to look at them. It hurt too bad. I started riding that very summer. That same summer, I started riding... 500-word articles, and I started sharing them with, with the world. It was a stupid idea. My wife was kind of behind it. She thought it was something I'd like to do and something that would make me happy, and so I tried it. I started writing, writing little humorous pieces. I was supposed to be a humor writer. That's what I wanted to be. Not a professional one, just, just a hobby, hobbyist. My first story was about going fishing with my cousin and eating too much fiber that same week, and having an accident in my pants. <laughs> and thus, I was known around small circles as the fisherman who soiled his pants. <laughs> it's not a reputation you want. I wrote a story about Ellie May, my first, my first story about Ellie, after we had gone on a camping trip to Fort Pickens National Park in Pensacola, Florida. I was there to play music for a whole week at a little bar downtown. It was decent money. The campsite was about $26 a night. And so I could save a whole lot of money on lodging by going to that campsite. And I'd get to my campsite around 1 o'clock in the morning after I'd gotten off from playing at those beer joints. I brought Ellie Mae with me on that camping trip, that work trip. She rode in the passenger seat of my truck. And she, she waited for me in that truck with the windows down in between Breaks. I would visit that parking lot on break after playing, playing in that beer joint. And she would be, be out there with her tail wagging. I'd let her out and we'd walk around and she'd do her business and kick up a little bit of grass behind her. And then she'd sip water out of a coffee mug I carry in my truck. And then she'd jump back in and she'd curl up to sleep and wait. I'd go play for another set and come back out and 
repeat. And then I drove her home through the dark and we, we slept together in that tent. The very next morning we woke up to a sunrise that was just bright enough to take your breath away. Ella Mae was the first to wake me up. She woke me up by nosing me on my hand. That nose, I can, I can still feel it on my hand. She had a big nose. Oh, it was big. And I took her to the Gulf of Mexico. Big, big blue Gulf of Mexico. And that dog saw that water, that big water, and it was like the first time she'd ever laid eyes on God's creation. And I let her off the leash. And it was almost holy, holy, to watch her. I'm sorry. To watch her run for that water. She ran for that water full speed, wide open. Those ears were, were straight back in the wind. And she dove into that crystal water. It was a, a still morning. The water was just as calm as a bath. And she swam out a little ways. And I was in my clothes. I was still carrying my morning coffee. She swam and I, I went in after her because I didn't want her to go too far away. And I called her name. And she turned around she started heading back to me and I was, I was heading toward her in the water with my clothes on. And she reached me and I grabbed her big paws in my hands. And she placed her, her back paws on my knees and we just sat there in that chest deep water just listening to the gentle sounds of the Gulf of Mexico. And as I look back on that memory it feels a whole lot like like being baptized. I could turn her loose on that white sandy beach and she would run full speed around 60 miles an hour and then she'd turn around in the distance and come running back toward me and she would pass me by because she'd be running so fast if she were to hit me she'd knock me down and we'd do this until she was just absolutely exhausted and I would walk her back to that tent and she would sleep all day and I'd read a book or I'd write something I remember that day I remember that day with startling clarity. She got real sick this past year. It was, it was just one little thing after another. She was old. I left for Birmingham, Alabama. And I was in a rental car. And I was driving, driving along a two-lane highway just outside Selma, Alabama. And my wife called me. It was bad reception. The only words I can understand were, I don't think Ella's going to make it. I pulled off when reception got better and I called my wife and I talked and I listened and I cried. I cried so hard. This dog went everywhere with me. When we moved in with my mother-in-law, this dog moved with me and she was my companion and my friend. She was the only way I could survive living at my mother-in-law's. Mankind was not meant to live with his mother-in-law. 
She was a good animal. She, she was well known at the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. We drove through that drive-thru day in and day out for breakfast. And they knew her by name and they had treats for her. And sometimes they'd give her leftover chicken breasts or buns. And we would park in the parking lot and I would read the newspaper and LMA would eat her breakfast in my passenger seat. My truck interior is absolutely ruined from that dog. There are nose marks on the window. And there are chewed pieces of upholstery and empty peanut butter jars. Oh my God, how that dog loved peanut butter. When I finally got to our, to our room... I parked the rental car and I hauled my bags up to the room. I don't even remember doing it. I was in a blur. My wife called me and she, she was on FaceTime on the cell phone. And I saw her and my, my baby girl. And my wife said, you want to say goodbye to your daddy? My face busted wide open and I cried. I cried so hard that I had a headache and I was sick to my stomach. She passed and they say she went very easily. They say she snored herself into the great beyond. And that's only fitting because this dog loved to snore. She kept me up. She kept me up for nights on it and sometimes just snoring. I suppose Ellie Mae was sort of the reason why I found myself into adulthood unscathed. Something about her gave me permission to be me. A good dog will do that. A good dog will do that. And I found out who I was in those still soft moments with her. I found out who I was when I threw a tennis ball in an open field just outside Geneva, Alabama, and I watched her tear out after it. I found out who I was when I shared a pulled pork barbecue sandwich in the truck tailgate of my vehicle parked in a southern field. I found out who I was watching her run wide open into the Gulf of Mexico. I found out a lot about myself, and she helped me do it. She guided me. She guided me into adulthood, and she, she watched me go from a high school dropout flunky, an underconfident boy, to a writer. She passed many, many evenings laid on my feet, Snoring while I wrote. I wrote six books with that little girl by my side. Every story I've ever written was punctuated with a truck ride with that dog or with a walk outside with that dog or with breakfast, lunch, or dinner with that dog. She was my companion. And I suppose once her job was done, She knew it was okay to leave. And she did it bravely. She went bravely into the night, totally, totally fearless of death and all of its pain. Would that I could be that fearless when I looked death in the eye. I was walking along 7th Avenue in Birmingham the day after she passed. I was with my wife and we were going to to eat supper that night. We sat outside on the veranda of the restaurant. My wife stood up to go to the bathroom. When she stood to leave, I put my head in between my hands and I thought about the dog I love. 
Between my feet, between my feet was a, was a penny. A penny just, just between both my boots. I picked it up. I looked at it. It had the same birth year that Elime was born on. I looked up at heaven. And I just hope, I hope she's thinking of me. Smiling down upon me with that wise face she had. I really do. I love you, Elime. And may your, may your ashes fertilize this world with love. Here's a song I'd like to sing in honor of Elime. When I shall enter Zion's gates And all thy glory is The dog who loved me Thanks for listening to Shaun of the South. I've been your host, Sean Dietrich, and it has been a real pleasure. This whole podcast was recorded in honor of my beloved coonhound of 13 years, LMA. LMA Dietrich, you will always be missed. That music here behind me today was the fingerstyle guitar of Dan Carollo. You can find his music on iTunes, CD Baby, or anywhere else you can think of. Dan is an acoustic guitarist who performs contemporary and traditional American and Irish music in the Seattle, Washington area and everywhere else around the U.S. Check him out. Check him out on Facebook. Check him out on SoundCloud. Check him out on CD Baby or Spotify. It'll may, I love you. 
I love you forever. And I hope you hear me today when I say, you're a good girl. Thank you.